Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blom and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I am very happy to introduce all of our listeners to Adam Deltz, who is the owner of Elwood, which is in the Fishtown area of Philadelphia. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Of course. Thanks for having me. No problem. And for our listeners who might not know you, your history growing up, there's a lot of chefs who have read books in order to learn, obviously gone to culinary school, which I know that you incorporated that out of high school, but you have an interesting background in that you hunted, fished, and trapped and like kind of brought home your own game growing up. I mean, where I'm from, northeastern Pennsylvania, the hunting cult is a, a pretty, I mean, it's it's a, it's hard to explain in Philly, but I mean, I mean, we used to have off the first day of deer season from school. It's a pretty big thing, the hunting culture back home. 12 years old is the age you can start hunting. So it's, I mean, it's a big cultural thing. And I mean, I'm sure that added to your experience, your culinary experience growing up because, you know, you were exposed to a larger selection of personal proteins based meats that most people, you know, who just go shopping at a grocery store don't come across. So I find it interesting that you kind of incorporate that into what you do now, because I feel like you use the entirety of an animal or a fish in order to present it on a plate. So a lot of accolades for you towards that, because not every restaurant does that. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of the hunting, oh, I mean, we used to, you know, butcher your own deer. I mean, you can take them to processors, but my family, didn't. I mean, they butchered their own deer. They butcher. I mean, I mean, we grew up. I mean, I didn't grow up on a farm, but my grand. I mean, my grandparents had a farm. Great grandparent Elwood, the one I named, is my grandfather's name. He grew up on a farm. I mean, they used to raise. I mean, they made scrapple. They they raised hogs, and then hunting culture wise, it also. I mean, you know, it was the same thing. You you would. I mean, actually, you know, they always said you can't eat the antlers. You know, my my family was more. I mean, if you think about hunting, there's all about the um, huge racks on the wall. But I mean, obviously, <laughs> my mom wants to shoot a big buck. But I mean, it was more about eating the, the, the food aspect of it. That's what it was about. And then really, I mean, going and then going to culinary school and you read the the great masters, you know, you read a Scoffier or any of the old school. I mean, they were eating, they were game was a huge part. I mean, you know, especially in the big, the chefs to the uh, kings and emperors or what have you, game was a big thing. I mean, game was even a big thing in Philadelphia at one time. I mean, uh, hunters would come to restaurants to the, you know, Philadelphia had the best French restaurants in the world. People would come offer, Hey, I just, I got these, you know, grouse, I got these rabbits and they would sell them to restaurants. I mean, I'm glad we don't do that anymore because then there wouldn't be any but but it, it used to be i mean a game figure is very is very prominent in the old school old french cuisine i mean i i have to say that i've had i always feel slightly guilty but i have had rabbit and i absolutely love rabbit i i think it's a delicious meat like a protein and it has a great flavor on your palate i know that it's probably difficult because of you know it being a smaller animal but in all the bones that are incorporated in it but i have to say that it's absolutely as far as game is concerned and obviously not large it's delicious as a child some of my family is in vermont so i've tasted bear i've tasted deer so there's proteins that i've been exposed 
exposed to that most people haven't. So the fact that I'm reading about you and reintroducing myself to you because I have come across you before through various events and, and whatnot, and even in your history, because you've worked at various places, Tennessee and Boston and Chicago that you've worked in also under James Beard award winners. So you have a large selection of history, a large pool from like experiences and I, I'm astounded by you, because, you know, because of what you do and, and the fact that like you make something that is so delicious and you incorporate the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Dutch form of culinary cuisine. Obviously, I wanted to be a French chef and wish I was raised on in, you know, and wish I grew up in Paris, of course, like every young cook. But I think that uh, in particular, Elwood is I lean on the Pennsylvania. I mean, that's what I'm, I mean, my comfort food is different from other people's. You you could say, you know, my comfort is sauerkraut and, you know, like I said, Scrapple, my family used to make Scrapple, they used to make shoe fly and those Pennsylvania Dutch pot pie, you know. And so I think it's definitely underrepresented in Philly, but I also always wanted to do a restaurant that focused on Pennsylvania, obviously farm to table, but not just farm to table, you know, there's also the aspects of, you know, like I said, Pennsylvania Dutch things people make or, or, or Philly history. For instance, like like you were referring to earlier in the game, like the turtle soup, you know, that's a Philadelphia dish. I mean, the whole history of Philly is in that bowl, you know, not a cheesesteak. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. those sort of things are very interesting. Yeah. And, and they are very interesting. And I know that you also, you've also done tasting menus where you're introducing, you know, different menu items to people earlier had commented on one of your Instagram page, pages because you had filleting basically an entire fish on video. So, you know, you're showing, but you utilize that introduced. Oh, them. the sturgeon. You're talking about yes, the sturgeon? the sturgeon. The, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I like to, you know, I have these ideas or conceptual ideas with read like we talked about earlier all my books I, I, I think um that like some things are like the historical things so not just to do a tasting menu just to tweezer chef stuff you know what i mean yeah. but uh, all, i mean in general especially when i open i try to have everything have a meaning to it or a, a, a certain story and i actually don't even do i say i do the opposite of tasting menus at elwood because i do like a family style entree you know like my great grandmother's but when i do do a tasting menu type thing i like to do like you're referring to a historical fish dinner when i had tegan schweitz archaeologist she came and did a talk on each of the like sturgeon was eaten in this area for thousands and thousands of years yeah and i think that's really interesting but if i was a strictly farm to table restaurant i mean we wouldn't nobody raises i mean sturgeons are endangered in this area i mean a lot of things are endangered in this area that we used to eat which is part of the story yeah and so in that particular instance yeah i did a little a tasting menu basically it was for a lunch but it was still um like based on the fishes of the the region and i've also done some before like pennsylvania dutch a folk tales book came out i'm actually going to do another one the gilded age a friend of mine uh just wrote another book on the Gilded Age. And so we're going to do a little luncheon on, on her book. That's very cool because, you know, not everybody does that incorporate, but it sounds like you are often bringing in um, different authors and different people who can do, not only who can do a tasting menu, but like the historical aspect of it. And so it's a teaching experience. 
in addition to a tasting experience. I, I think about the lost foodways of, of the region, you know, some things like we don't eat sturgeon anymore, you know, or we don't eat. I mean, there's lots of things that we Well, I mean, even turtle soup, like I said, I mean, that was a Philadelphia. Like New Orleans has a turtle soup. Everybody yeah. knows it. Everybody it is part of. Well, they have a lot. I mean, New Orleans, a huge culture, like a food culture, which yes. I feel that, you know, Philadelphia could have had. But we don't know, you know, it's all, you know, I mean, we, it, it's different. It, it's not what it could be. We do have a food culture and there are, historically um, Philadelphia has certain things like Pennsylvania Dutch, like well, that is a huge area of Pennsylvania, of Philadelphia and where we obtain comfort foods. As I read about, you know, the fact that like your comfort food is uh, pork sauerkraut. and sauerkraut. Yeah. And so well, like, it's a new day. Yeah. Pennsylvania Dutch, we eat pork and sauerkraut on New Year's Day, yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, something that is historically, like, relevant to, you know, the Mummers Parade. So that's something big that people do, you know, for that. But then I also saw that you have, I think it was the seven, the seven sours and sweets or sweets and sours. So I was curious about that and whether or not you bring whatever that is from your childhood into your restaurant. I mean, Dr. William Moyes Weaver actually says that seven sweets and sours is a, it's a myth by the tourism industry in Lancaster. But pickling, but I mean, in a way it is true just because of the pickles jam. I mean, I used to go to my, like I was saying, the great grandparents farm and my great grandmother, she would have a whole room full of of cookies, three different cookies, three different cakes, three different pies, three different, I mean, everything all the time, no matter what. And along with that, they would always, um, you know, have the jams, jelly. I mean, I grew up with some of the things I serve at the restaurant, you know, are my, I mean, and my mom actually makes it. Uh, I mean, we call it freezer jam, freezer jelly, because you keep it in the freezer. It's not like canned in a canner. You know what I mean? You can't leave it at room temp, but we would like strawberry, like now strawberry season, you go, you pick strawberries. And would my grandfather take us to get strawberries and then you'd make strawberry shortcake and then you'd have freezer jelly. I mean, that's what I ate growing up. I mean, I never even had like, well, I won't even name brand, but I, I've never had like the cooked down commercial jelly until I like left. You know what yeah. I mean? But as for my, for what you're saying is, you know, my family style entree, I say it's like a cross between Thanksgiving and grandma's house and Korean barbecue because of the, it's like mashed potatoes, vegetables, but also I put out a bunch of pickles too with it. Yeah. You know? And so what are some more of your um, dishes that you create that you put out for or offered on your menu that are more popular just in general? Well, I mean, my one signature is something you would enjoy. It's roasted rabbit. I do a whole roasted rabbit. I mean, unfortunately, I'm trying to figure out um, Primal. I was getting them from Heather, but she just closed. I have talked to her farmer and, uh, and I'm working something out now. But that is one of my signature items. It's a, literally a whole roasted rabbit. Oh, wow. Um, I also, like I said, the turtle soup I do is very popular. I mean, my pierogi dish is popular, too. Everybody gets Loves that. Loves a pierogi, you know? yeah. I don't know one person that doesn't love pierogies. I mean, you know, you incorporate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And really? yeah. And so, you know, given like how much you have going on and, you know, you had mentioned that you have another event, tasting event where you're going to bring somebody else in and it's going to be information along with the tasting event. How often do you incorporate those into uh, your your regular monthly kind of push? Whenever it's, you know, when we can do it, you know what I mean? Um 
like last fall, I did a tasty, I did a sort of a cider dinner collaboration with Ben at Plowman Cider because I, I really want to do like a, well, it was, it was like a farm. I mean, it's very, you know, the farm style, you know, we'd had goose and I made a little, and it was a little sauerkraut strudel with, you know, with his cider and venison scrapple was one of the courses. So it's, um, I mean, I like to do it. I, I try to, uh, sometimes I want to do more. It just depends when you can, have, you know, logistically find time to do it. You know what I mean? True. I'm sure it's all very, very time consuming planning it and preparing the meals. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, in the last few moments that we have with you, um, you know, is there anything moving forward that, you know, you want to highlight other than I want to give you accolades for the fact that you were also um, a semi-finalist James Beard nominated um, in like restaurateur. So um, <laughs> a lot of, Props to you for that one in 2012. Well, thank you. Yeah, last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sorry. What was the question? The oh, if, I... if there's anything that you wanted our listeners to like know about you about your restaurant. Um, oh well, we also do tea service. I do a tea service Saturday and Sunday, and I put in, and it's kind of a, you know, alternate history tea, not, not necessarily, but alternate history tea service uh, sort of thing where I do, you know, my Pennsylvania Dutch stuff, you know, shoe like cake is one of the little offerings, snickerdoodle. Um, we have that sort of thing on the, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's pretty cool and it's different. So yeah, I do that Saturdays and Sundays, um, Saturdays and Sundays in the, like the afternoon, like 11 to two. Which is, yeah, which is always good. Like, and I mean, a tea surface is perfect. And now the, another question that I have is per chance, do you ever do any seafood, like an octopus? Do I? No, not really. I no. mean, the seafood, the seafood I do will pertain to, it will be more pertain to the, to the region or a particular, re- you know, sturgeon, for instance, like you yeah. mentioned earlier, that was a food stuff of this region for thousands of years. I mean, I do striped bass, um, that is the quintessential, you know, East Coast, Mid-Atlantic fish. So I have striped bass on the menu lots of times. Um, I mean, you never know, though. Just because I'm like, you were at, like, when you used to work at Johnny Brenda's, um, you were the chef when I was first introduced to octopus. And you, your hand is what made me fall in love with that. That's why I was mentioning that in particular. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. Don't tell, don't tell, uh, well, don't tell any of your Italian friends that time. (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) I know several, (laughs) but yeah, you were, you were the reason that I fell in love with octopus, by the way. (laughs) That's cool. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. You never, maybe I will again. You never know what you can read. You know, you never know. You, you see something that I would think didn't have, any um any ties to what i would do and then you read some you know like avocado and like say crab salad with like avocados like you think that's like a new thing and i found it in a cookbook from like 100 years ago a, a maryland cookbook yeah oh no so you never know yeah that's pretty cool and yeah. I mean, the fact that you've read up on history like you know so much like obviously as i mentioned before you were uh, on rec- on record like you have a, a plethora of books behind you but um we unfortunately are out of time so uh for all of our listeners who are out there in order to you know make a reservation or enjoy one of your lovely lovely meals where can they find you online and in person? Oh, uh, sure. I'm on Talk Reservation 
wise. The restaurant is in Fishtown. It's at 1007 Frankfurt Avenue. It's If you're like going from Johnny Brenda's on Frankfurt to, like say, towards the Sugar House, towards Fillmore, it's that way. My website's elwoodrestaurant.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And I look forward to seeing your next big meal big collaboration sounds good thanks for having me come on down sometime i will (laughs) all right and on that note we will be right back after this short break join us on food farms and chefs radio show where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-host gene blum and amaris pollock with original episodes that debut every tuesday at 6 p.m on wwdb 97.5 HD2 and at www.dbam.com and on your smart speaker. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I am super excited and in the game with (laughs) Matthew Hendricks, who is one of the owners of a very, very fun and amazing food and fun entertainment venues that is in Philadelphia and also a secondary one, which is in the Ardmore area of uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. So the owner of Thirsty Dice and I think 21 Pips. 21 Pips. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So you have an interesting background in that most of the people that we bring on have like a large like history in the culinary world. But, you know, you're you're kind of coming from the background of a businessman who who jumped into this after um, a trip to Toronto with his wife. So I don't want to divulge all of that because I talk a lot. <laughs> but like, let our listeners know how you got started and what inspired you. Yeah. So um, I my background has really been working in new product development, largely in healthcare and consumer products. Uh, which is a lot of fun. I enjoy it a lot. But at some point, um, what I really (laughs) started to get an itch for was, hey, how can I take a lot of the management consulting stuff I do and do it to something that's important to me? And so um, in 2017, I had an opportunity that kind of came out of the blue to go in on another business. And uh, in considering that opportunity and kind of going through it, you know, like going through the financials, all of this other stuff. One day uh, I was like, man, this just doesn't feel right, but I can't understand why. And as I was driving into the city, I was I was like, I I don't care about this. That's why that's why this doesn't make any sense at all. And so uh, I ended up telling the fella that I was talking to about it, like, look, this is not something that's going to work out. And um, then I started to say, reframe it and say, well, what could I do? Um, If I could do anything, what would I do? And I started to think back to a visit my wife and I had at a board game cafe in Toronto called Snakes and Lattes. And um, really cool because normally if my wife, if we go into a game shop, she's like, you know, eh, I'll just wait outside, you know, and you take as much time as you need and look at games or whatever. And, uh, this time she came in, had a latte. We played a game. We played another game. Uh, you know, then we ended up, she had a glass of wine and I had, um, a beer and it was just a really great way for us to, 
enjoy time with one another, you know? Um, And in the end, it was, it's a, it's a lot more about the time and my wife and a lot less about, you know, the particular board game. Although I, I remember, I remember the games we played. I remember it was uh, the Fin du Monde was the beer that I had, you know, but that wouldn't have been memorable without the time with my wife. And so it felt like, Hey, I think something like this would really work uh, in Philadelphia and be important to me. And at a time when we started to just think more and more about, you know, um, the, the, the engagement and people having very thin relationships with social media mm-hmm. and all the ways that that can kind of go sideways which I won't enumerate, but that's where the whole idea came from. So we opened in October of 2018 uh, and we opened 21 pips in July of last year. Yeah. And um, I threw a little research um, on you. I, there was an interview that you actually had with uh, Phil LaDuke, uh, which was published in authority magazine on December 3rd in 2019. Um, you had stated that you were listening to a podcast called, and I, I wrote everything down to make sure I got everything correct. So, you know, I could properly, um, point that out, but, uh, the, it was shut up, sit down, shut up Um, and sit down. yeah, Yeah. Shut up and sit down. But you, uh, the, the guest who was on that show, um, said something that kind of resonated with you, which is, you know, the, that it's about the people. Um, and, and I feel like that's kind of where your business model and even what you just had said, like it, you know, is incorporated into, into what you do now, because yeah, yeah, because now we're, we're, you know, able to go into a situation and, you know, during the shutdowns, like I know you had to, like everyone else, you had to pivot. Um, and you had collaborated with, uh, what was it? Haven. Yeah. Haven Philly with yeah. uh, rentals yeah. to yeah. continue that. So I did do uh, research. Wow. <laughs> I guess I did. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, what was that like, you know, continuing it during the pandemic with the game? Because obviously right now we're open, we're open and, and whatnot, just, but just like really quick, like, what was it like and how was it scary for you to have to pivot, you know, for that? Um, I'm, I'm going to be really honest and vulnerable here. Uh, it was not, it was not scary. I, it was, things were at such a hectic pace, a pre pandemic that there was almost like an opportunity to catch, catch our breath, you know? And Yeah. yeah, it was, it was scary for all the obvious reasons. Uh, but as you know, it's, it's a tough industry and the pace had just accelerated to a point that was a lot. And so I, I think a lot of people did a lot of soul searching about themselves and about their businesses. And, um, when we started to think about, well, what, you know, again, to the point was actually, uh, one of the, the host of the podcast, Quince, who had said that, um, board games are interesting because people are interesting. Right. Yeah. And just like I said before, it just comes back to the people. Um, and, and so how, what, what we see 
our role in hospitality as is how do we make those good times more accessible for people? You yeah. Know? Uh, just yesterday, we were hosting a birthday party for somebody and they were like, oh, hey, you know, can we're going to play Ticket to Ride and it's been a while since I played it. Can you run through the rules again real quick? And it's yeah. like the same kind of hospitality that you would put through, um, you know, just helping somebody understand what the different dishes are or the sommelier, the way that they would tell you all of the things that make the wine that you're tasting, like enhance how interesting it is and really connect you to it. Um, That's really the ethos of what we do and the experience that we create for our guests. Yes. And I did read up on that. And I think that's um, an amazing attribute because, you know, there are people that walk in and like myself, if I walked in, I really like I know how to play Monopoly, but I don't know how like and tra- and Catan. I Good. do know. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a little bit of a nerd in me. But uh, <laughs> but, but um, you know, the, most games that are out there, I don't know how to play. So it's wonderful that you have somebody to liaison um in, you know, uh, a novice like myself. But I'm gonna use that to liaison because you said a, a few key words because I don't want to lose our listeners who love food and beverages. Um, You have a wide selection at both your locations of not only just food, but you also have, you know, a local, you locally like provide Herman's coffee um, based beverages that are alcoholic and non-alcoholic because got to have that espresso martini. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You got to have that. And Bassett's uh, ice cream because you've got to have that bananas, foster boozy milkshake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and the chocolate I, peanut butter one too. Like yeah, that, yeah, that's that's my jammy jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, screwball whiskey in a uh, boozy milkshake uh, is dynamite. There's yeah. no question about that. I, I mean, look, I think Philadelphia is an amazing food town, and why would we not take advantage of all of the great? Uh, partners, you know, I, I wish I could say it's not even, it's not even hard. Uh, Matt and Amy Falco from uh, Herman's coffee. That was like a serendipitous introduction. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I was like, I was going to source another coffee and uh, I I found someone and I was like, Oh, can you provide an intro to these folks? And uh, Chris Barnes from Lucky's last chance was like, Nope, but I'll provide an intro to somebody even better, Matt Falco. And, and yeah, it's amazing coffee and it, it fits our brand so much better. And for anybody who's been to Herman's down in Penn Sport, like you see the craft that he puts into roasting his own beans and it, it just he's really, really into it, you know, and Amy's great, too. So, um, you know, in Bassett's, all of that is really important. Yeah. And we've really tried to continue that with uh, local cheese uh, providers uh, at 21 Pips and we use uh Happy Valley Meat Company uh, for our, uh, our our hamburgers and it, it all, like all that stuff really makes a difference. And obviously, it's it's what consumers are are into now. Uh, but it makes good economic sense too. You yeah, know? it, it definitely does. Produce and like they 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 kill any of the the bigger uh, providers on pricing. You know, so. Yeah. Um, 
I, I'd, I'd love to be able to tell you it's because I'm super altruistic, but it's also because it makes good business sense. So it's, it's, it's good to win on both those columns. Yeah. And it's, it's also really good to like be supportive of your, your community, um, whether it's hyper local or it's local, local, yeah. um, it's, it's always a beneficial thing to like be supportive of those who you surround yourselves with because you want to be able to support your community. Um, and, you know, speaking of supporting your community, I want to also, uh, sh- like give a nod to you because you offer like different events, um, yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Well, I think, you know, we really want to try and get um, it, it. It's, again, part marketing strategy because we know that differentiated experiences are going to pull people in. So looking for events that are going to be on brand and germane to, you know, the experience that guests expect at a board game cafe, uh, but also fun and really different. You know, um, we have uh, a couple of different local theater companies that we work with uh, where we do like a murder mystery, clue theme murder mysteries, you know, and that's always fun and brings a lot of folks in. Um, we have our own version of Quizzo uh, that is, you know, take some of the traditional Quizzo, but also through some incredibly creative uh, support from our quiz masters, really pulls in different uh, types of games uh, into the different rounds. Right. So yeah. uh, a lot of these great party games, just leveraging some of the approaches that they have to give something that's a little bit different. You know, yeah. regular Quizzo is great, you know, but how are we going to bring our brand of hospitality to it? Um, and so that's worked out really well for us. And for the private events, uh, doing things like, you know, how about a board game? We, we had Comcast in um, and we have another group uh, coming into 21 Pips next Wednesday where um, we have a game that can be played by up to 150 people. Oh, wow. uh, we have a team building, uh, a couple different team building approaches that uh, work well, kind of like an escape room vibe, but something that you can play with as many people as you want working together in teams, but the teams are working against each other uh, called think inside the box. That has just been a complete smash hit for any corporate or civric or, you know, uh, family group that we've ever run it for. So we really try to lean into how can we take all this knowledge of games that we've developed and use it as a way for people to ultimately just enjoy time with one another, just like I had mentioned Lynn and I did when we were up in Toronto for our yeah. anniversary. Yeah. Cause I know I was like, I had a being that I'm in the media world, I was kind con- and I'm a photographer, a journalist and, you know, uh, you know, also on, on the radio um, <laughs> that I had a bunch of friends who started mentioning like, Hey, you know, whenever you hang out with us, you're always like, pulling out your phone and taking photos or pulling out Mm -hmm. your camera, taking photos. So that kind of resonated, your story a little bit resonated with me because I had that moment where I was like, no, no, if I'm out with friends and I do this now, if I'm out with friends, like, yeah, I'll snap off some pictures, but then I put it down and it's face-to-face, you know, connection. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cause that matters. It, it really does. And I think so, one of the things that's always really striking to me when we have a group in, uh, it, we had a local school uh, come in uh, for an event not too long after we had opened and the teachers and administrators at the school were like, I don't really know if the kids are going to like this. And it was something that was so refreshing for the kids where it was like, Hey, we're going to do something and it's not going to be, you know, I, I, I think so many cultural experiences have really gotten wrapped up. Like, going to a concert and just seeing how everybody's like, you know, taping the entire concert with their phone. Like, yeah, you see, you actually when you're enjoy it, you know, like uh, take the moment, be, be into it, you know, be aware of it. And games are just such a disarming platform, but ultimately it's not the games. It's the people, like yes. I said. It's the interaction. And then you add in the food and the, and the drinks and whatnot, like, you know, while you're playing the games, it's, it it brings an entire experience to, to the table. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And what are like, you have a couple of minutes left, but um, what are some of your more popular items outside of the bananas for forest uh, boozy milkshake? (laughs) Yeah. The bananas foster. Yeah. Foster. Yes. I, yeah. No, uh, we've got uh, at Thirsty Dice, um, you know, the milkshakes and the ice cream, particularly at this kind of year, uh, time of year are uh, a really big draw. But we've really gone through uh, a lot of different things. I, I think the comfort food, uh, just the the snackable comfort food uh, is really uh, some of the most um compelling for folks. Uh, but I think we've got a pretty formidable sandwich wa- roster as well. You know, the Nashville hot chicken is really good. Um, the, uh, the other thing that's really worth mentioning is what we've done with our brunch program mm-hmm. uh, both at Thirsty Dice and at 21 Pips. Um, it, because there, I think brunch really has the same kind of vibe uh, where it's, you know, yeah, it, it, you're 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 taking more time at the meal. You know, there's nothing about brunch that says hurry up or I just want to, you know, have something that's more functional. By definition, it's uh, it's something that's longer. I was going to make a dumb German joke. There's uh, a German word that they sometimes use to refer to uh, brunch, which is Langschlafen Frühstück. Uh, which is long, sleepy breakfast. And that's the, whenever I think of brunch, that that's, you know, my nerd brain kicking in <laughs> and that's what I think of. And so it's a good experience. You know, you can come in and have a brunch, have a mimosa, uh, have an Irish coffee, uh, play some games. You know, it's it's just a really great platform to come in and, unplug and reconnect with people you enjoy spending time with that. And that is absolutely perfect. And how, where can people find you online and in person? Uh, me personally, <laughs> well, thirsty dice, uh, so and- thirsty dice uh, is at thirsty dice on Instagram and 21 pips is at 21 pips. The word all spelled out uh, on Instagram as well. We're the same handles on 
uh, TikTok and uh, Facebook. It's pretty straightforward. So yeah, uh, would love to have folks in, but don't spend too much time online. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And I look forward to having fun with you. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. I look forward to having you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. All right. And on that note, stay tuned for the next uh, segment. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I am very excited to introduce because it there's not a lot out about you. So I'm excited for our listeners and for everybody in the Philadelphia area and across the globe to learn about yourself, Vince D'Amico, and Off the Rail, which is, you know, one of the premier spots that is gaining a lot of um, exposure because you have one of the you know, biggest, like you have like the only rooftop bar and, you know, you're, you're definitely a go-to place to, to have a lot of fun and eat a lot of great food. So thank you for joining us. Vic. Hi, thank you. Awesome. Awesome to be here. We are, uh, yes, we're fairly new, so probably won't find too much about us. You know, we opened under the, we opened during the pandemic. So, you know, that was kind of a little difficult, low profile, but um, no, we're excited to be here. We're in media PA. And uh, what do you want to know? I'm an open book. <laughs> so um, how did you you get started? Because I know this used to the location that you're in used to be Jocelyn's. Um, but how did you and Tara, your, your co-owners, uh, get into the business? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, it was Jocelyn's. There's actually uh, three of us here. So myself, uh, Tara Duke and uh, Ron Kennedy. We, uh, we've all been in the restaurant business for years. Uh, I started in a restaurant when I was 14 as a bus boy. And, uh, I guess I still am because we just do whatever needs to be done. And, um, so as far as Jocelyn's we've lived in, I was grown up, I grew up in a Overbrook section of West Philadelphia mm. and I used to work for a small, like Italian restaurant, bus and tables. And, uh, one day they moved the restaurant to media. And, um, at that time I was, 20 years old and said, well, it's time to move out. And, uh, I moved to the media myself. So wow. fell in love with the town, you know, great people here, great local feel. At that time, there wasn't too many restaurants in media like there is now. And, um, so for years I worked at, uh, Stevens on state, which is still in business. And they are the restaurant below, uh, Jocelyn's here on state street. Which so, was, yeah. Which is now off the rail, yes. Yes. Um, now you guys just started participating also because it's it I if I recall, the dining on under the stars and media started as a um segued into being part of the pandemic because you know obviously we couldn't eat indoors so media i feel like the restaurateurs kind of pulled together and created the dining under the stars so that it could help pull in you know more business for local restaurateurs and the breweries and distilleries and shops and whatnot um so this is your first year 
participating as one of the dining under the, under the stars uh, restaurant. So what was that like, you know, coming to the conclusion of like, Hey, let's join this. That was a, that was a big decision for us. You know, this location didn't have food for about 20 years. So we're trying to still let people know that, Hey, we are a bar and grill. We have food. And um, in order to kind of maximize our potential and kind of step up, we're like, Hey, we need to participate, you know, in dining under the stars here. We have the rooftop deck, so we were kind of like, well, we have outdoor seating all the time. You know, why go out front and take space from other guys that might want to be out there? But uh, it really just came down to exposure, and we want to just participate in everything the town does. So we're like, hey, we got to go down the steps. We got to take our food downstairs and be part of it. Yeah, and I mean, for anybody who's listening that wants to, you know, partake of that, it does. Um, it it's happening from May third until September twenty seventh. So it's a very long window of opportunity. Um, yeah, you'd be remiss if if you missed out on it. Um, every Wednesday between five p.m. and I think uh, 11, ten. Ten. 10 uh, actually, sorry, eleven. Yeah, you have to clear by eleven. You're right. Gotcha. Okay. But, um, but so what are some of like, do you have specials on those, on those Wednesdays that you're doing dining, dining under the stars? So we do, uh, we actually run like our features. We don't like to call them specials anymore because <laughs> it's a, more of a feature addition to the menu. Um, and we actually do different features every week. So this week, oh man, I cannot actually, as I'm looking <laughs> at my features, um, but yes, we do. We do do special food features. And then, you know, we always run our drink specials, of course, but uh, Wednesdays are more about the about the food. Uh, I think this week we're doing a hummus pizza, which actually was something our chef created, um, trying to make hummus even more shareable. <laughs> and yeah, but uh, definitely always different additions every Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to actually refer. Okay. Okay. So a hummus pizza. I don't know any, like I love hummus and like, unless if you have like a food allergy against like hummus, which I'm not quite sure what the food allergy would be smothering carbs with hummus and then calling it a pizza is like dragging people that would drag me in. I would just be like, no, I can't resist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll talk a lot about it, you know? <laughs> Um, and you also, if I recall, you have falafel. I think falafels on your menu as well. Uh, no, no falafels. Oh, um, I think I'm messing up with the, the previous. I'm sorry, the previous guest. But you I do was like trying to think. I'm like, did I run that one time? Because me and the chef, whatever he comes up with, I'm like, let's run it. You know, even if it doesn't match our our menu, we love yeah. to try different things. And you know, that's how people find out new items to put on their menu. Say, hey. Someone loved this pizza, so we're going to put it on there. Yeah, and it would be vegan-friendly, and I know you have a lot of – I think it's also gluten-free. Um, you have a lot of uh, vegan and gluten-free and vegetarian-friendly menu items as well. Yes, I will admit that was something that I struggled with in the beginning. So I actually went to – I was a chef for many years, and then I left the restaurant business, and I worked on the, uh, the railroad. I was a freight train conductor. Um, it's kind of the play on words for off the rail for the name of the place. When I came, you know, when I left, it was like every now and then I would get a gluten-free request in the kitchen when I was running in a different kitchen. And then when I came back, I'm like, whoa, I have to catch myself up and learn. Oh, I've missed a lot in the last, you know, eight years here being off of the restaurant business. 
Oh, wow. Um, So, I mean, okay, obviously you acclimated, but you also do offer like some very like comfort foods that are more like meat driven too. So you have a like wide selection of offerings um, and, you know, and appetizers and and whatnot. But uh, I don't know if I should call it specials or features now, but I also know that you have um, you know, different every night of the week, you have something else that you incorporate to like, you know, kind of bring bring in the crowds like Monday nights. You have uh, Quizzo and then yeah. Tuesday nights, I think, is karaoke. Is it no open uh, mic? Open mic. Open mic is. Yeah, that's a great, great night. Open mic. We have a, So we have a house band side hustle and they um, they'll, you know, play for you. But anyone can bring any instrument or song that they've written. And uh, it's really a unique crowd and a cool thing to watch because you just don't know when someone's going to get up there and just kind of blow your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I then know. Wednesday is karaoke. Yeah. And do you have um, a set person for that or, or you know, that, that comes yes. every week? <laughs> that is my man, DJ Gabagol. <laughs> so like because there's a there's an interesting dynamic for people who live locally and that do that like on a regular basis like because you'll start getting that foot traffic where it's like you have your regulars who like cannot resist the mic <laughs> oh yeah no karaoke like so every wednesday we do have our regulars and you know with dining on the stars we always let people know to come up for karaoke and whereas josh dj gabagool he's awesome because you know, it could be your first time singing karaoke and you think you're going to nail it. And then you get up there like, oh, I don't know as many of the words as I did in the shower. You know, <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, Josh knows like almost all the words to every song. Like he's not, he'll step in and be your backup singer. You know, he'll be your hype man and uh, make sure you have a great time if you want to try it out. Yeah. Now, something that always kind of coincides with karaoke is cocktails so you have a large selection of cocktails on your menu too so why don't you talk a little bit about your cocktail menu okay so yeah we do um you know we change it seasonally which i would hope that everyone's doing now you know it just makes sense yeah. uh, wednesdays besides the cocktails it's actually white claw wednesdays i don't know it just sounded good but um yeah we change a couple one of our ones that people really like right now is the uh, Delco housewife, which we actually did a vote, you know, did a poll on Instagram and let one of our customers pick the name and it seems to be a hit. And that's uh, it's like union forge vodka, orange liqueur, a little cranberry juice and simple syrup. And it actually comes out like really refreshing. You know, it's really iced down, nice color. Uh, that's a popular one. We have our spicy margarita, which is actually, we batch Espelon tequila with um, jalapenos. Mm. And we let that sit for about a week or two. And then that actually, it doesn't sound like you'd be surprised on a hot day. It's actually really good. Spicy margarita. No, they are. They, um, I, but they have to be made just right because, you know, I'm particular with the, the spicy cause I've had spicy based beers and spicy infused, um, drink drinks before. And I've had them where they're really good. And then I've had them where it was like, Whoa, that's too much. Um, so I, it's a, it's definitely a balance. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And one of the other things, I mean, I'm drinking coffee right now, but one of the other things that, oh I, my. Yeah, <laughs> that I love is, uh, is an espresso martini. I've, uh, definitely probably ticked off quite a few mixologists and cause I was like, Oh, you made that really well. And so I kept making them make it. And then everybody was like, what are you having? <laughs> yeah. 
And you have two different ones. You have like you do a creamy based one and you do just like a, a regular kind of like I think vodka and espresso, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. That Well, that came from just uh, so all three of my, you know, all three of us. I mean, my partners, we all bartended for years. I, I'm the only one that's cooked and bartended. I think one day I just got tired of being in the kitchen. <laughs> but um, that came from people ordering espresso martinis. And, you know, you some places would add, you know, you'd get a creamy one and frothy. And then some places just be like a flat, dark one. And uh, that might ruin your experience if you were expecting the other one, you know, one or the other. And so that came from years of bartending. We just started learning to ask, like, hey, creamy or, or not, you know. Yeah. So that's why we do ours. We essentially do, you know, a dark one or we do one where we add a little bit of Bailey's and it gives it like a nice froth to it, like your coffee creamer. Yeah. So now I want to set the scene almost for our listeners, because there's also the fact that we, we mentioned it a couple of times, but you have that that upper deck, like the bar that the rooftop bar um, or the rooftop space. Yeah. Now we're going to have you imagine you sitting down and you're eating some amazing food. I'm going to say Buffalo cauliflower uh, bites for appetizer. And then maybe like a nice juicy burger for, for your meal, but, you know, set aside like your, um, your cocktail, which was, you know, the, what was it? The, the Don't uh, housewife. The housewife. Yeah. The housewife cocktail, which is, you know, fruity and fun. Um, but like on the wall, you have this huge space that you pr- can project like the big game or, you know, a show or whatever, what have you. So like, what was that like? Where was the decision to make that space? And, you know, how popular is it now that we are, you know, working into like the spring, summer season? Well, the the deck was there from Jocelyn's. It was one of the lures of buying it. But um, projecting the games, I mean, that's just something. The wall was kind of just there being like, hey, you know, do something. So you're up there. You know, if we don't have the game on, you have your burger, you got your cauliflower, (laughs) don't go housewife. You're relaxing. It's sunny out. And there's probably live music going on from Side Hustle or one of our other bands. So we always do live music on the deck on the weekends. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we have live music out there playing. And then, you know, nighttime comes, we'll put whatever game is on, on the projector. Sometimes we throw a movie on there just for fun. Uh, you know, Avengers Endgame was on there one night. That was a pretty cool thing to sit out there and watch. Um, and we actually, that wall there, we actually just had a local artist, um, Peyton Green. She's on Instagram, Peyton Green, Steph Unts. She actually just painted a mural on there for us, which was something we were trying to do for a long time. And we now have a very, you know, beautiful mural of State Street as kind of a frame for the projector. Oh, nice. Now, so do you have a, because of that, do you have a, a drop down screen? Like, so that, you know, it get, gets covered while something's playing? No, it's, um, it's uh, the murals underneath where the projector goes. Oh, that's cute. The mural, stands about, uh, the mural stands about, let's say seven feet high. And then the projector hits above that. And okay. your, our projector goes from about uh, seven feet to about another 15 feet up. So when, when you want to brag about watching the game, I would definitely go to your space so that to, to go to off, off the rail in order yeah. to celebrate that, because that that's a huge air, you know, area to like, if you miss something during the game, it's your own fault. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's the biggest, I don't want to say the biggest screen in Delco, but I could be right. <laughs> uh, definitely the biggest screen immediate. And, uh, you know, we also have 15 other TVs besides that. So 
yeah, if you missed it, I don't know. Stop yeah. scrolling the game, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, uh, moving forward, you know, you you had mentioned that you're going to be celebrating your third year anniversary pretty soon, but are you going to have a big event for that, or you know, are like, or what is something that's coming up next that you would love for our listeners to celebrate alongside with you? Uh, really just the, you know, we probably should have, should think of something. Um, my partners are terrible with anniversaries. You know, we know it's coming up and uh, <laughs> even half we've known each other for years and we forget each other's birthday half the time. And then a couple weeks later, like, Hey, happy birthday. But um, no, as far as something big for that is we're just excited to have the deck open for the summer. You know, we really morph into a different bar in the summertime, it, it kind of really shows like our, who we want to be, you know, having the live music in town, having a Sunday fun day, sitting out there with friends, watching the game, you know, just getting outside, you know, we love to be outside. So, um, no, nothing, no actual event per se, but really we're just like summer summer's here. Let's rock the deck with live music. Let's have some nice drinks and, you know, have a good time. Yeah. Now, um, as far as your, cause you, obviously you have a cocktail menu, you have, you know, your food menu, you also have beers on tap. So what kind of local beers or breweries do you, you know, tap into no pun intended? Um, <laughs> so we have, um, Sterling pig, we do Sterling pig, which is, uh, right down the street here in media. They're one of, they're one of our locals. We have uh, Kenwood original, which is actually two guys that uh, my partner graduated with like a Bonner and upper Darby guy. And Kenwood was a, is a street that they grew up on. It's actually a really good beer and they decided to make just one beer and that was it. Oh, wow. and, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, two PSP. You know they're right there in Aston. We're here in Media, and they are just you know gaining traction. They're an awesome brewery. And um, trying to think of who else on there. I mean, my partner Ron does the beer list, and he, uh, you know, it's one of his passions. Like he always makes sure. I think we have. I don't even know. We probably have. I feel like I saw Lancaster on uh, on that list too. Yes. Yeah. He keeps at. It's funny. He'll add new week. I'm like, try this. Try this. Try this. And, and, I, and I'll admit it. I'll admit it that I've been a Miller High Life drinker for probably since I was stealing it from my dad, and I never stopped. Um, and so Ron gets a kick out of having me try. You know, me bringing me in to sample the beers because I'm like the blank palate. You know, on the beer. But I'm like, sure. And I'm like, whoa, this is this is good, man. This is good. So you know. But uh, no, a lot of local breweries. We hope to get some more you know, down the road too. Well, I hope that for your sake and also for, you know, it, when I come to visit, cause I definitely know I'm going to get dragged along at some point in time, but like not unwillingly, like fully willingly um, <laughs> to, to uh, experience and taste some of the things that you have, you know, available on your menu. And I know that you're going to change it seasonally. Um, but like, where can people like myself find you online and in person and you know do you recommend reservations or any particular day of like hey definitely come out and experience this so online you know we're off the rail media.com and same thing you know on socials off the rail media.com or off the rail media and um as far as coming out you know we have like i said we have something for everyone you know i think there's over 50 60 beer choices that we have and um you got to try out the deck during the day you know saturday day is nice because we always have live music friday happy hour we have live music uh it's really just like if it's sunny out and you're thinking of somewhere to go it's like oh let's go to, you know, let's go to off the rail. Um, as far as reservations, we don't take reservations. We're almost new to the food game here at off the rail. Mm-hmm. Um, our original menu only had 10 items on it. I think now we have about 35. Yeah. Well, we opened during the pandemic, so it was just we kept it small. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I definitely would say you have to experience the deck. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday during the deck. Wednesday for dining on the stars. If you can't get a table on the street, we will glad you sit you closer to the stars on the deck. You know, mm-hmm. plenty of seating there. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Vince, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And I look forward to experiencing off the rails with, you know, yourself and with other people um, in that upper, in that deck. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. No problem. Thank you so much. To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com.